host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me on this Monday is my good buddy, Sean Shapiro. Sean, what's going on, man? Not much, man. It's, uh, it's kind of, uh, Kind of like that weird week, right? Like it's the we've got a bunch of everything's quote unquote rumblings. We don't mm, have a lot of rumblings. I'm hearing a lot of rumblings. Yeah, a lot of rumblings. A lot of uh, I'm hearings. A lot of rumblings. A lot of smoke signals. Mm. But like, but like uh, a lot of people oh, talking. Yes, yes. We're a lot, a of, lot of a lot of people reaching out. A lot of uh, a lot of messages being sent back and forth. A lot of uh, it's kind of like high school all over again. A lot of uh, a lot of uh, I, I I I've texted with or I've heard or uh, and I'm not I'm not pointing fingers at anyone else because we're all in, we're all included in this but it's uh it's it's a lot of just uh you know what there could have been a game seven tonight of the Stanley Cup final there isn't and uh, how are we all going to kill time until we start having our I'm rumblings and I've heard and. I'm sensing this when uh, it's actually just people sitting down over coffees and beers in Nashville next week. Hmm. Well, I'm hearing the wild Bill Carlson is nursing the meanest hangover in the history of drinking, but that's uh, those are my rumblings. I, I, I can't confirm it. Um, but it, it's wild to hear you say that the game seven could have been tonight. Just considering it feels like I know it's only been a handful of days, but it feels almost like that Stanley cup final happened and ended like a different month ago like it just it, it is crazy to think that it still could be happening that's how far removed it feels like we're from it and the offseason itself hasn't fully gotten going yet right we got the oliver ekman larson buyout we got the jesper brad extension we had that trade during the stanley cup final but for the most part it is a lot of kind of like not necessarily the calm before the storm but it feels like we're sort of starting to ramp up here right and it feels like probably heading into next week in particular that's when uh when a lot of the good stuff's gonna happen it also feels like there's a lot of like trying to. Uh, it, it it almost feels like the hockey news cycle is trying to make up for the fact. Like you hear all the stories where it's like people will be like, "Oh, this is the worst free agency class ever," and we hear people like we hear people like uh, I think uh, uh, like saw Greg Wyshynski tweet the other day where it's like it's effing awful or something mm-hmm. like that. And like, I if it feels like almost where it's like. Hockey is try hockey is kind of collectively trying to push back against that where it's like we know July 1st is going to be it's going to it's going to it's going to be pretty boring on July 1st so let's try to make everything else as exciting as possible for that it almost feels like there's a natural like ecosystem push push within that right now so uh it's uh, yeah i mean it's <laughs> it's something it's we we get we're going to get we're going to get trying to get ourselves really excited about some some depth signings, well, I guess, on July one. We're gonna get excited about. It. Well, let's 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 put a pin yeah. in free agency. Yes, we'll talk yes. more about that in a minute here. I thought, you know, for today, it'll mm-hmm. be good. We've been kicking around some topics that we wanted to do even while the Stanley Cup final was going on, but it felt like, you know, just for the sake of timeliness and the games going on, we should have focused on that, and that's what we did, and, and I'm glad we did so. But now that the Stanley Cup final is done. We have this opportunity here in this little window to, to get into some of these topics that are kind of more um, tangential, I guess, but still of interest to us. And so hopefully the listeners will enjoy them as well. And the first one is broadcast. And you wrote a big piece on this. It's something that we've been discussing. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you and I actually did like almost a full show on it months ago now, um, kind of talking about the the current state of of not only NHL broadcasts, I guess sports broadcasts in general, but specifically for the purposes of the show, 
NHL broadcasts, the future of them, kind of what's to come, uh, especially in light of all the news with Bally Sports filing for bankruptcy and kind of what that trickle-down effect or ramifications that would be. And then you wrote this story on your Substack about the Golden Knights and kind of what their specific future in that regard is. So I guess that's a good entryway here for us to talk yeah. about that and kind of, um, you know, we can focus on the Golden Knights model here because obviously they're of interest, right? They just won the Stanley Cup championship. They're going to be the team everyone's kind of looking to. But I think this is something that you're going to be hearing more about in different markets as well, right? So I think it'll apply and be of interest to a, to a lot of different fans. Yeah, this is the Stanley Cup champion copycat thing that you would actually want that if you're a fan of a another team, you actually want your team to copycat this because it makes it easier and less expensive for you to find the game if you are within that team's market. And I mean, you and I have talked about this. What's one of the biggest issues for hockey fandom right now? One of the biggest point of entries issues is how do I find the game on TV? How do I watch the game? And it's... Uh, Various markets have their different issues and, and everything like that. But at, at the end of the day, so much of the time, the answer has always been you have to pay for X amount of services to find your team's games, to watch most of your team's games. And that was just always the reality of it. And the Vegas, uh, the Golden Knights model for next season is, um, and the, the, the channel will be available, to be clear, the channel, if you pay for... Uh, uh, pay TV bundle. This channel will, will likely be in there in that market as well. But if you want to get, if you want to go old school and get the uh, Vegas Golden Knights for free over the air, and most televisions still have an antenna built into them. If I know, I know mm -hmm. most people didn't know that, but a lot still do. And uh, you can, you'll be able to get if you're within the Vegas market, within what's considered the Vegas TV market, which is obviously all of Nevada. And then there's also it kind of extends into other parts of the Rocky mountains, Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, all those places too. But most importantly, their main demographic, the greater Las Vegas area, you can get the game on TV for free next year. And that's through Vegas worked out a deal with, uh, there with, with a scripts with script sports. Um, it's going to be, an over-the-air product. It's going to be a space where Golden Knights games will be easier to find. And the and within Vegas, last year under the AT&T Rocky Mountains deal, only about a third of the Vegas market even actually had access to that channel. That's just with television distribution. And now, effectively, 100% of the market will have access to Golden Knights games. And that's a huge thing for me. Like, I look at, like... You look at space of how do we grow this sport? How do we make it more accessible? You make it easier for people to find on TV. You make it easier for people to get their foot in the door. And that's what the Golden Knights are doing. Um, I think the key thing, just the key caveat to bring up on this before we go to obviously we give Vegas credit for what they're doing, but there's also the, the circumstances that allow it to happen. I think that mm -hmm. needs to be clear because there's to be... Um, like in the NBA, we saw the Phoenix Suns tried to, uh, in the NBA, we saw the Phoenix Suns tried to leave their, the, the Bally is currently uh, filing for bankruptcy and the Phoenix Suns basically tried to leave Bally and, and they basically had the move blocked in court. Um, so like think about your local team that's got a Bally deal, like, um, a St. Louis Blues, uh, a Dallas Stars and Asheville Predators. If they tried to do something like this. Um, they would either they would they it would probably be blocked in court, so they couldn't do it. Mm. Vegas, 
Um, what Vegas did, and if you want a team that could completely follow what Vegas did, um, you look at Seattle, you look at Pittsburgh. I think those are the only other two that were under the AT&T, AT&T model before. Mm-hmm. Basically where Turner Sports, the parent company for the AT&T Sport, regional sports networks, had decided they were going to get out of the regional sports network model. They were um, just basically going to dissolve it. They were going to file for uh, Chapter 7 bankruptcy, not Chapter 11. And that, and they basically went to Vegas of like, hey, we're getting out. You can have the rights back. And so the Golden Knights had this golden opportunity. That pun wasn't intended, but it sounded great. Uh, the Golden Knights had this golden opportunity to basically figure it out clean. They got out of the, They got out of the one with AT&T clean. All the checks came through and they were able to figure out something instead of coming out of shambles. It was kind of just coming out of a slight disappointment. And that's not something every team has an advantage of doing. So I do think that's an important context before we just throw all the praise on Vegas and rip. Like you can't just go all of a sudden rip your local Bally affiliated team because there are contracts in play. Yes. Yeah. It was certainly opportunistic on their part. At the same time, though, I do give them credit for sort of making the most of what could have been mishandled quite poorly, right? In the wrong hands. Mm-hmm. And, and in particular, yes. we've spoken, I think the last time I had you on, I, I was kind of wondering, like, I was like, I gave you the floor and I asked you, all right, what are the sort of people talking about during the Stanley Cup final around the series at the ring? Kind of what's really sticking out to you and it, and it can extend beyond the on ice product. And, and you made the point of how much. Uh, this organization has invested into its yeah. own product, into into growing it, into yes. building, uh, into kind of cultivating and then retaining new fans, into making it um, a work environment for players, right? Where they have all of these perks and all these advantages and really state-of-the-art equipment and everything, right? And, and so, there, so much goes into running a successful NHL organization that extends well beyond that on-ice product. Obviously, that's the front-facing thing and that's what, you know, most fans ultimately care about right whether their team is fun to watch whether they're winner winning or losing but behind the scenes there's so much else that goes into it especially in terms of expenses and investments right and so it's not something we typically discuss because all, all, all we generally care about are like player salaries and whether the team is cap compliant and sort of whether they can have all of these players but in terms of the actual investment that a team like the organization like the golden mites is making in in this is an important part of it, right? Because I imagine that there's the drawback for a lot of other potential parties that would be interested in doing something is in, like this is it seems like there's probably going to be at least an initial hit on the, yeah. on the, on the cash return um, yes. side. Right. And and so you're kind of almost like giving away money in that sense. But if you're playing the long game and if you actually are serious about quote unquote, growing the game and, 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 expanding uh, your coverage of it and, and how many fans you attract, this seems like a pretty good way to go about it. You mentioned the Suns there, and, and, and it's really unfortunate to hear because in preparation for this, I was reading this article on Forbes, and they made the note of how um, the idea of going this route and going kind of over-the-air TV as opposed to the the, the more traditional subscriber-based cable model was going to increase the... Um, the number of households in that area that they were going to be able to get to by like threefold, like it was going to yeah. go up to nearly 95% of ha- uh, households with TVs were going to have access to suns and mercury games. And that's quite a number to think about. That is very cool. Obviously not all of those people are actually going to be taking advantage of that and watching those games, but at least it gives you 
a foot in the door to do so. And it's not necessarily prohibitive. And so um, the Golden Knights going that route and doing this is very encouraging about kind of what that future could look like for teams that, that have this option available and choose to do so. Yeah. And it's, it's for Vegas. It's, it's exactly that. It's the, you're going from about a third of the Vegas metro area, Vegas, Summerlin, Henderson, having, having games to rough, I mean, to about 95 to hundred percent of the market now having it in their homes. It's, it's, it's a, it's a similar impact there. And, um, Obviously, not every team is going to win the Stanley Cup, but you talk about the the benefit of that. I mean, talk about the easy marketing push that you go into next season as the Vegas marketing department. You just won the cup. Obviously, it's you you've really nailed the land. You've really stuck the landing in franchise history of being the Vegas's team. Like the Raiders are a relocated team. The baseball team will be a relocated team. You've really owned the market as the team the locals support and the team that that really invest in this market first now you come in and you'd be like look we just want a cup we want a cup for you now we're giving you our product on tv for free like that is such a powerful marketing push for the golden knights going into next season or coming coming right off winning this cup like it's and it's to be clear, Scripps is still paying them. Like it's not like they're not it's not like they're taking they're getting zero dollars from the TV deal. But as the uh as the Vegas team president told me and I had it in this story where it's like when Vegas came into the league originally in 2017, they had to go with the more traditional RSN deal because it was a vital part of the cash flow. Now they could take a little bit of risk now because they're making money on all the other areas. They're seeing how growing the game can help in other areas. And you really hope other teams see that. And where I come into place on this, and I think this will be, I'm, I'm hoping I'm stealing your good podcast hosting segues on this. <laughs> um, I think one team that we've seen the negative on this, but in theory, hopefully maybe you would have liked them to do the opposite is you could have seen the Kings do something like this because the Kings, one of the reasons that Alex Faust is no longer the broadcaster on television for the Kings. And Alex, I believe is one of one of the top five, top, top 10 for sure. Top five, maybe play by play guys in the league. One of the reasons he's no longer going to be the Kings play by play guy next year is because they don't have a TV partner for next year Mm because their deal with Bally's expires. And so there's someone who in theory could have looked into something like this for the LA market. And I like, so, Obviously, we talked about circumstances giving Vegas an advantage. Let's also look at there are circumstances where the Kings could have done something different. And instead, we're seeing a spot where, unfortunately, a really good play-by-play guy is not going to be doing their games anymore um, on, on television. So I uh, this this is one of those spaces for me where you grow the sport. like You grow the sport. You grow your exposure. It's the... It may not be the big same big TV check right away, but I think the long-term thinking should pay off here, especially, and it will in Vegas. We're already seeing it just six years in with Vegas, um, but this is just the first time they've really done it with the team. Like, they used to do this. They still, I mean, I guess they still will, obviously, now that they're going to do regular season games, but you know how um, in the NFL, right? Like, obviously, every single um, regular season game in the NFL is a national TV game. But mm-hmm. you get like those weird, like local, not weird, sorry, wrong terminology, but you get you get the preseason games done by like local stations, yes. right? And that's basically how Vegas did their preseason games before. For, like they they worked with scripts for preseason games before where they had the big TV contract for um 
for the regular season with with eight with with Rocky AT and T Rocky Mountain, but then still did preseason games kind of over the air. They're just basically extending that, and it's I it's there's precedent that that shows when you make the effort to take down the barriers, when you make the effort to stop people from jump. That's that's how you turn a town in. That's how you turn a town from into a your team town. I mean, that's 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 one of the reasons that Vegas is such a success story. It's because they understood what they needed to do to turn it into a hockey market. It wasn't the oh, like I laugh. It was the whole it was the it was the Nate Silver story that came or, or that came up recently, where it's like oh, this is a terrible market because there's only three percent are diehard hockey fans. Vegas didn't care about that. They cared about how do we turn these people into Vegas Golden Knight fans. It wasn't turning them into diehard hockey fans. I don't care if they're watching the Memorial Cup or watching tier three junior hockey games. No, it's about how do you turn people into hockey fans of your team? Hockey is a regional league, very much so. And obviously we want it to grow to beyond that, but you embrace that within your regional market. And the Golden Knights have done that. And I hope more teams look at this and from a TV perspective, kind of because finding ways to get people to watch your game for, for, for free is is a win for a lot of people. Well, and I think it's also a very savvy long-term gambit on their part because mm-hmm. just increasing the number of people that can reasonably consume your product and especially um, in terms of like convincing them to like, like hop on board and get excited about it and then potentially start, you know, if they are in the market, going to games, buying a team's jerseys, all of that fun stuff. Like that's a very valuable thing to do because the more people you get watching, hopefully they can become hooked and then you secure them as a lifelong fan. Right. And, and, and I yeah. think you should have confidence in the quality of the product at this moment to accomplish that. Right. I think the, the yeah. quality of the product speaks from itself for itself in terms of how fast the skaters are now, how hard they shoot, how, all the cool stuff they can do with the puck on their stick. Like the sport itself, aesthetically, is as pleasing as it's ever been. And so centering your marketing tactics around like, this is a really cool sport. You should watch it. And then actually allowing people to do so seems like a pretty smart long-term investment. And we've been talking about the in-home effect of, of, of individual homes, but this also for your, the Vegas Golden Knights by doing this have also taken away any barrier of your local sports bar. And all of a sudden you have to have what you have to have the cable package that carries the Vegas games. Right. Like right like this has taken that away. This has taken away that obstacle where you no longer have to someone doesn't have to walk around go to a uh, to to a sports bar or restaurant and and getting the Golden Knights game on TV will no longer be dependent on whether they have that, the package. Exactly. Yeah, no, certainly. And I, okay, so I guess the the next follow-up question then is, is there's still sort of in the works in terms of partnering up with a streaming yep. service, right? Yep. So what, what what's, what's that kind of next step looking like? Yeah. So, I mean, part of it is, and it's, it's, it's an, it's a, it's a, it's a gloat, but it's also true. I mean, from a marketing perspective, they are, the plan was always to wait till after the playoffs to try to get that done. Um, it was one of those things where it's 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 a little bit there's some nuance that needs to be applied of how do you find the right streaming partner and, and the league has to be involved with that. So part of the reason and like I saw someone one of the one of course there's always someone on Twitter who when I tweeted this story out responded of like, oh, why haven't they figured this? I mean, part of it is 
you, you talk about maximizing your value and you max with, with a potential streaming partner. If you come to the table as the defending, as the Stanley cup champion, you got yeah, a little bit more value bit to, that, to, that, yeah. to, that, to that streaming partner. Um, so it's the, I don't know exactly which way they'll go with this. I don't know if they'll, um, if they'll, if something where they'll work with scripts hand in hand in this, if they'll do something their own, um, if they do something their own, that'll be another story. Obviously they're, they're kind of just shopping it around, figuring it out right now because figuring out the streaming and the digital rights, um, it was a really savvy move by Vegas to hold on to those um, and not just like too many times NHL teams will be just like, here, everyone have everything when they don't realize that it's it's the reason for the longest time we had only an NBC sports deal where it was the NHL signed a 10 year deal with NBC sports. And, and, and we saw how much, like how much do we talk about hockey Hockey being more popular in the United States and, and the opportunities right now, the past couple of years, just because they split the TV deal, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, and it's a very similar. And thank God. Level. Thank, thank God they did because you look at the quality yeah. of the product between the TNT. Yeah. Broadcast yes. and the ESPN ones. I mean, that's night is night and day as well. Yeah. And, and, and just also like the ESPN progress too. like, think about what it would be if they weren't getting shamed um, like what would the broadcast quality be if they weren't getting shamed by looking over at TNT the other night? Like it's, it's something where I hopefully, hopefully competition pushes things forward. Um, and it's similar to this space where splitting your entities by Vegas created a revenue stream or they, they were, they had to replace one revenue stream. They have not completely replaced it yet. To be clear, they have not completely gotten the money they would have gotten from, from, from uh, the AT&T Rocky Mountain deal, but they got part of it back from the Scripps deal. And they'll be able to get another part of it back from whatever streaming deal they work, whether that's something that they create with another partner. Maybe they go to the direct to consumer. Obviously, that's something that when I asked about that, they were a little bit. I don't think they're ready to as an NHL team. I think teams are still a little bit are trying to like test the waters to see what happens with the Padres deal right here for mm-hmm. quick, quick 30 second background for people the Padres were a Bally's team and basically Bally's defaulted on their payments and the uh there's a pretty good story um about how basically the Padres mid-season have now games being produced by the league and they're being um and and you can in market now is basically MLB TV and everything like that and so I think a lot of teams are monitoring what the Padres do this summer to see what they would do. And I know, I know having talked to some people, I know that's something that Vegas will definitely also monitor as well. Um, so how Vegas, there's a second part of this story to come up of what the Vegas streaming element looks like, because it will be interesting and it will help. It will also help shape what some of the teams teams do, because this is such a copycat league in so many ways um, team. And it's not just on the ice. It's next week at the draft, there will be, a ton of discussions between NHL GMs and they all get together and all that stuff. But at the same time, all the team presidents get together, all the directors of marketing get together, all of the, all of the ticket sales guys get together and they all get together and they all have their, their meetings and they talk about what works and what doesn't. And some ideas, and that's how ideas tend to proliferate throughout the league of like, okay, we did this here and it works here. Now let's try it here. And so I'm sure there will be a very in-depth discussion about the Vegas TV package. I'm sure the, the, the whole regional sports network will be, there'll be an entire probably meeting over, over crisis for some and opportunity for others at, at the draft next week. Um, like to be clear, like this is, it's funny because Florida is the other team that the, that Vegas played in the final 
Florida almost did this last year. Um, Florida came close. The Panthers came really close to launching their own direct-to-consumer market. They were negotiating with Bally, and they had actually priced out and worked out a deal where not with me with themselves, where they were going to go the direct to consumer route, do their own channel, and they were going to include and one of the things they were going to do as part of the the buildup of it is they were going to include the streaming service uh, for well not it, it they were going to make it part of season ticket packages mm-hmm. where like if you were a season ticket holder you got this as part of your season tickets similar to how in MLS right now if you're a season ticket holder of a team you get that MLS. TV package on Apple and everything like that. So the Panthers were a team that almost did this by choice, but then ultimately Bally's came to the table and gave the money they wanted. So I'm sure it's it's funny because it's these two teams, Vegas and Florida, are going to, they played in the final, but two interesting experiences, two interesting kind of things, one that actually played out, one that almost mm. played out, where there will be, um, they will definitely be the center of some group conversations around the league and this regional sports network deal um, next next week when, when the league gets together for its annual draft summit. Well, you know, the last time um, you and I did fully kind of broach this topic, we were making the point of how, um, how dire the, like the current state of some of, 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 of being a fan is sometimes in terms of access yeah. to these games and watching them. And, you know, got some pushback from, from, from a listener. It, it was fair in it in some sense where he was like, uh, I was a hockey fan in like the nineties and like you, you just have access to like one game or whatever per, per week yeah. or depending on, on, on where you were. And, and so it's like your ability to actually follow the league and have the full scope of it was, was non-existent. And now you can like, just, you know, if you turn on uh, whatever service you're using and, and it, theoretically at least have access to all these games, your coverage of the league, if you're interested in other teams is so much more available. And that's certainly true, right? Obviously we're not comparing is, this yeah. to the nineties. Yeah. What I, the point I think we were trying to make was just in terms of like, all right, it's 2023. I'm sitting down. I'm curious where the game's going to be, how I can watch it. And then having confidence that you're actually going to have like full access to it, that the streaming is going to work, that you're going to be able to watch it without, you know, being uh, stopping and starting or, 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 or just, you know, the app just turning off or whatever. Like it's, it's this high wire act that feels like this year um, that represented a massive regression in my opinion, even compared to to last season's product. And so I just wanted to point that out. Right. I, I think just being able to do very simple things like pick a broadcast, be able to jump around and toggle from one game to another, just being able to switch between those games, being in control of your viewing experience. Right. And I think that ties it into this from, from Vegas's perspective as a team as well, where, now being fully in control, like obviously they have a partner and, and and you have to sort of meet certain obligations, but for the most part being, I, I would presume much more in control of, over your own content as well, I think will be reflected in the viewing experience and having viewers actually being able to, to get what they're looking for. Yeah, I, I think so. I think for sure. I think it's, I think the Vegas story is part of, is one where they they chose and they they picked the Vegas resident over the quick dollar. I think that's something that is. I think that's an important part of the Vegas story. Um, you know who the, else they picked on? Who, who the, else did they pick? The the Salt Lake City resident. 
they did. They did. That was, that was, when you were uh, listing the states, you mentioned Montana, you mentioned Wyoming, you mentioned Idaho. Mm-hmm. I noticed you didn't mention Utah. I, well, I mentioned it was it was uh, Salt Lake City. It wasn't just Utah. It was Salt Lake City in particular. It mm-hmm. was the a uh, very specific region a, where we're going to be trying speci- to win over some fans. A very specific reason where Vegas will be trying to go We're planting our flag and we're going to turn them into Golden Knights fans. Why? Yes. Well, let's answer well, that question in a couple of years. Yes. Well, and also let's uh there's there's also follow the money on a lot of things. And if all mm. of a sudden something is a uh Vegas stronghold to use uh since Vegas loves those types of uh of course, those, ana- those, yes. those analogies, if you're gonna take part of the fortress, you're gonna have to pay for it in some way. So um, that's uh that's that was that was that was not lost on me. The uh the, the correct the, there was there were no distinct callouts to the hockey fan in Boise, Idaho, but there were in Salt Lake City. So yes, well, you you mentioned the Alex Faust earlier, and I, I completely mm-hmm. co-sign with you. Like he would be, you know, we got to do a um a broadcast rankings uh, at the start of next season, but he would have been in my like definitely top ten, but probably top five play by play guys. Obviously, it's a bit subjective in terms of you know what you like and what you're looking for, but for me, checked so many boxes, and so. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely insane to me that he is out of a job now, and I'm sure he's going to land on his feet and get and get a job. Like we'll be hearing him calling hockey games in some capacity next year, I have no doubt. But uh, just because the team at the moment, and, and when they release the pre- press release, it's like once we know more, we will let you know about the broadcasting details for the 2023-2024 season. And it's like, all right, that's in a couple months. That's that's a it's it's pretty interesting to be just kind of leaving it. Um, dangling for the for the moment, considering what's at stake. But you know, Faust himself, I uh, I don't know if I ever told this story on the podcast, but I think it was the fall of 2019. Uh, the LA Kings were in town here in Vancouver, and uh, we met up. Uh, I went to the hotel he was staying at. We we did a, we recorded an episode of the PDO cast in like the hotel bar slash lobby area, and it was like a really fun 35 40 minute conversation. And then I got home. And and I was like, all right, uh, let's listen to this. And it's just like, you could not even make out what we're saying because of how bad the background <laughs> noise was. And it was it was very upsetting. Only a few times, and I've been doing um, probably over like 600 episodes now at this point over nearly a decade. Um, there's been very few times I can count on one hand where I recorded a show and the audio was not playable and I was, wasn't up to a certain standard. I was like, all right, we're just not going to run this. And this was one of those and it's very upsetting and I haven't been able to connect with him and get him back on the show since. So uh, who knows, maybe he'll have a bit more free time this season and we can, uh, we can get him on the PDO cast. Hopefully not on him. Just quick. Well, really, maybe, really, maybe, but maybe if he does national yeah, stuff, right. Then that's yeah, a, that's a yeah. bit of a more forgiving yeah. schedule. Yeah, it should. I mean, it is. He, I mean, he's, you talk about, I would, uh, and I, I, I have no knowledge of this at all, but I'm just going to plant two seeds together and just hope this takes. Um, Alex uh, is a former, uh, he's a Northeastern grad, I believe. He's from mm-hmm. the Boston area. There could be a broadcast that uh, at some point uh, could use a new young voice that is going to be, uh, that could define hockey for a future generation. I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there. Mm, so, that's interesting. Uh, so, so uh, for. I, I will, I will say on the LA thing, it will be interesting to monitor, see what happens because the Kings are a team that a couple years ago, um, completely left terrestrial radio. Um, they just went completely to iHeartRadio, uh, radio streaming only. And um, where they end up with their TV deal and how this all shakes out will be really interesting just because it's the NHL's team in the second biggest market in North America. And 
if they can't stick a landing, that's going to be concerning just because it's the second biggest market in North America. And it's going to be something where I would imagine the how the Kings handle things and how they work things out. I'm sure, well, our game, well, the answer will always be our game has never been better from Gary Bettman at pressers. I'm sure one of, I'm sure he's not particularly pleased about seeing a franchise in Los Angeles struggling to find a TV solution right away. Yes. All right, John, let's, uh, let's take our break here and then when we yep. come back. We'll finish up. We'll, uh, We'll put a pin in the broadcast conversation. We'll jump around some other stuff. You're listening to the Hockeypedia cast streaming on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back here on the Hockey PDO cast with Sean Shapiro. Sean, we spent the first block of today's show focusing on the changing RSN model and and what's to come and how the Golden Knights are kind of leading the charge there. Let's switch gears a little bit. And, and you know, at the top, you you mentioned this year's free agent class and all the conversations about how it's, it's you know, ranging from one of the worst ones you can recall to just downright bad. Um, and certainly when you look at the top, the list of like the top projected contracts and the most interesting names available and stuff, it's it's not particularly inspiring, but I did want to have a little bit of a conversation with you here about sort of the, the cap dynamics as we, as we get ready for all these contracts. Cause we know that regardless of your opinion on it and your mileage on it, yeah. once July 1st hits, we will see money thrown around, right? Even in this flat gap environment where teams keep talking about how, oh, we we're limited with our resources. We can't spend the way we'd like to. We always see there's a way, right? Where there's a will, there's a way. And we've already seen so far this off season, Right, the Canucks make a very um, a decision that I think they weren't particularly happy to make, but felt like they mm-hmm. had to buying out Oliver Ekman Larson so they could clear up some cap space over the next couple of years. In particular, uh, we we saw previously the Kings make a trade, giving up a bunch of future assets to clear money. Now they spent that on Vladislav Gabrikov, so that's ca- accounted for a little bit in a bit of a different story. But we know that, like regardless of the quality of players available, July first is just too enticing. People will spend money so that they can trot players out and introduce them to their fans and act like they're, they're doing something to try and improve their team. Right. And, and inspire confidence heading into next season. So I don't know, let, let, let's talk a little bit about the, the cap situation in particular with, um, you know, a conversation that I've been having with people about Ivan Barbashev because mm-hmm. he's been a big topic based on how well yeah. he played for Vegas and helping them win the cup on that top line with Eichel and Marsh. So, and sort of how he increased his own, uh, appeal as an unrestricted free agent this summer he's a dan milstein client right and what we've talked about is both with kuzmenko and then gabrikov most recently they're players who were in a very similar age bracket they were kind of like 26 27 years old and instead and heading entering unrestricted free agent market theoretically with a lot of leverage themselves and instead of doing the traditional hockey thing which is just take as long term of a deal as you can to get as many dollars as you can right now while you're still hot. Instead, they chose to go with two-year deals, which will get them back into the market in their late 20s before they hit 30. And with the idea that by then, the cap is going to go up so much that it'll increase everyone's earning power, right? It'll be kind of like a rising tide and you will benefit from nailing that timing. And I guess I'm, I'm curious yeah. for your take on in conversations you had or sort of just like 
the temperature you're feeling uh and, and hearing all the rumblings right um <laughs> what whether that's sort of like a pervasive um idea whether we're going to see more agents push their players in that direction this summer and whether that's just going to become kind of like the new topic we're focusing on with a lot of these deals it's going to be a lot of one and two year deals yeah, I, I do think there's a lot of players and a lot of agents who are looking at this as how do we buy our way into that golden summer two years two years from now when all of a sudden the escrow debts paid off the the we're we're going to have kind of a, a a rush of money that should have come in a couple that really the the TV money. The TV money impact will really be felt two years from now, and then additional revenue that will come in. Um, like, I mean, one of the big things, one of the big revenue risers that's going to happen soon, and it's already started, but it's just going to keep going as we get more and more to it. Is we're going to get more uh, sports betting is getting legalized more and more. Like, for example, in uh, in 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 Dallas right now, just to give an example, I know quite a bit about. Right now, sports betting is not legal in Texas, and there are a ton of sports betting companies that are jockeying right now just to get to the front of the line to be presenting sponsors once it gets legal in that state. And the stars are going to get a ton of money from that. And we're going we're gonna to get a ton of examples like that where you add the escrow getting flattened, the TV money coming together, and some other potential things. Everyone is kind of looking at this golden summer, like two years from now, where there's going to be a ton of money, everyone's going to get paid. And uh, if you're someone right now, if you're a player like a Barbashev, you take, maybe, maybe I mean, maybe you take the two, you look at the two-year deal as a space where you buy yourself into that, you, you, you increase your value, like, and, and man, this is this may be the benefit to Vegas right now because I know he really liked playing in Vegas, and I know Mil Milstein said all the right things the other day to try to like temper that so like he doesn't lose negotiating power at the table. But Barbashev really liked Vegas. It's really nice playing on Jack Eichel's wing. It's really nice partying with the cup down the strip. Uh, where you do that for two years, it may be a little bit below what you could have made long term length of the deal to really cash in two years from now. And I think we're going to see. I think especially in this summer, I think we're going to see. I think we're going to see a lot of that. And I think we also, I think there's going to be some players and some agents who are maybe self-aware that this is the class and this is the year where you go long, you personally go long-term because you're going to be near the top of this class, but you won't be near the top of a class two years from now. And I think mm. we're, I think there's, I think there's going to be two, two frames of thought. I think we're going to see guys, I think we're going to learn a lot about what players think about themselves. If a player thinks that they're going to be, able to maximize their career earnings two years from now by doing this. You're going to see a lot of shorter term deals, but there's going to be a couple guys. I'm, I'm sure, I, I think there'll be a couple of players where we're going to be like, wait, this guy signed long-term when realizing that by real that player is going to be realizing that, you know what? I'm not going to be the guy who someone's going to be coming down to give a eight year deal two years from now. So I'm going to take it now. And I think, I think there's still going to be some of those because of that, that natural uh, swing of the pendulum there. Yeah, well, I would think that in like at first blush, that sort of middle class player would be the one mm -hmm. to benefit the most from a massive hike in available money in the in the in the pool around the league, right? Because yeah, obviously the top players will will their contracts will will reflect that as such. But right now we're sort of seeing this idea where the middle class has been really 
squeezed, right? Because you're basically mm-hmm. going yeah. with expensive stars and then you're trying to fill around the margins with either veteran role players who are trying to compete. And so they're, they're, you know, they're taking less than they might be able to get elsewhere and they're near the vet minimum or young players on ELCs and you control their earning power for however many years ahead. And so you'd think that even if you're not at the top of a free agent class, let's say in 2025, there's going to be so much money, hopefully around for a lot of teams that aren't really going to be in conversations or in the list of destinations for a lot of the top players regardless. And so those teams are going to have money. We're going to look around. And even though we always talk about how cap space is king, uh, some of these teams treat it as if it's quite literally burning a hole in their pocket. Right. And so you're just going to look around and be like, all right, well, Ivan Barbashev is still available. Yeah. He's 31 years old or whatever at this point, but He's won a cup. Let's talk ourselves into that. And then that player winds up making much more than they would otherwise. Obviously, it's very easy for us to say from the outside here because the the hockey is a brutal sport. And you you could be feeling great about your game and your earning power. And then you take one shift and all of a sudden you get hurt or something happens and poof, there it goes, right? And so having that security and that stability is certainly a very valuable thing and always will be. But just in terms of this idea of kind of betting on yourself and, and trying to look ahead as much as you can, it feels like they're trying to sort of have their cake and eat it too, right? In terms of getting some money up front now, like you look at Gabrikov, pretty much yeah. all of his money is in signing bonuses these next two years. He's got a no-move clause, so he's going to stay in LA, but then also hits the market again at 29 or 30 years old and will hopefully be able to get that six-year deal, let's say, and kind of turn this into the best of both worlds scenario. Yeah, I mean, we saw this with the NBA, right? They had their massive hike for the for the TV deal really hiked up, and oh yeah, and then everyone the, the, instantly yeah, the money, it. yeah, the the money had to go somewhere, right? It was the money had to go somewhere, and the NBA obviously has a the NBA is a different system, and it has a max contract, so and not every player is worth a max contract. So how do you, if you're a GM, you have to spend money. Like that's your owner expects you to do it. And so um, we saw with the NBA where the, we saw guys who were sixth, seventh guys on rosters making money that, I mean, sixth, seventh guy in the NBA obviously makes more money than an NHL player makes. That's just, that's just a reality of it. Uh, the thing that will be really interesting for me and how this kind of this rising tide thing looks like will be, will hockey get out of its own way when it comes to Right now, there's no limit on it. There's no max contract in the NHL, right? Like there's there's no there's no max contract in the NHL. It's there's nothing CBA reg- regulated. But players and arguments create those problems. Where like right now, any player who makes twelve million, anyone, any player who wants to make more than ten million dollars a year, like right now, we go we McDavid has basically created a max contract where like anyone like his twelve point five million dollar cap hit. Anyone you're like, you suggest anyone was ever to make that much money, you'd be like, oh, you think you're better than McDavid? And like, well, Connor McDavid signed that contract in 2018. This isn't really a fair, it didn't, it didn't rise for yes, market well, or anything like, like that. that. Like, that's like yeah. the NFL models article, yeah, but it's an NFL yeah. model where the highest paid quarterback is the one who signed most recently. Yeah. Right. Like, that's it's, just how it works. Yeah. And it's like the NHL, because McDavid's deal, what goes through 2026 to the summer? Like the NHL would be great if McDavid comes, if, if, if the money's really flowing that summer and like McDavid actually 
is willing to, and I don't know if he will, probably won't, but if, because it won't be very hockey of him, but what he should do for everyone else, he should be selfish for everyone else in a very weird way. He should be willing to say, you know what? I'm the best player in the world. I should make this much money. I'm worth this much. And then all of a sudden we don't get, we don't get into a spot where we're like, oh, well, we can't pay this guy this much, but we'll find a way to pay a, a 33 year old left winger, $4 million because he hits in the playoffs. Mm. Well, and and that's why I mean, I was I got to say I'm, I'm pretty surprised to see the contract the Devils were able to get Jesper Bratt to sign to. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they they made it clear that once they had Jack Hughes on an eight million dollar deal, they were kind of using that as as their ceiling, right? And obviously that's hilarious because he's mm-hmm. immediately so significantly underpaid. But yeah. you're using that as leverage. And I just, I just didn't think they'd be able to pull it off. We'll still see what happens with Timo Meyer's deal and 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 what that comes in at. But for to get Jesper Bratt at seven point eight seven five per for the next eight years, I mean that's already a fair price right now for a top line, about twenty five year old. But in two years, what that's going to look like as represented as a percentage of the cap, it's pretty, it's pretty wild to think about. And that's going to obviously if this goes in the direction where we're speculating here is going to wind up being just a massive home run of a deal for them. Right. And so yeah. I'd be very, if I was a 25 year old who's that productive, I'd be pretty wary of signing an eight year deal right now. But once again, if someone's just willing to give you $63 million, that's a very difficult thing to say no to as well. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's also like, I, I think internal pay structures are very, it's a very slippery slope to mm-hmm. get down because it's it creates I feel sometimes they create more problems in the end they create more problems than they create more problems than 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 they help like you'd be like oh we're saving money but we don't pay more than this guy we don't pay more than this guy or whatever and at the end of the day when you do that if you're able to stick it to a T perfectly and you win a Stanley Cup and everyone's taking less money to win a Stanley Cup yay that's fun but that's not how it works. Eventually what happens is someone will look and be like, okay, I'm not making more than this guy on my team, but I'm looking across the league and someone who does my job makes this much more on another team. Or they do, they finally do break that pay structure. And you're like, wait, I was like, I, I think putting these internal pay structures on and trying to actually enforce them is a very slippery slope. And if a guy is your most, if, if the mark, like, you should really try to pay. Now I'm not the one signing these checks, so I'm not the one. It's it's obviously uh, my it's opinion easy to on spend this someone else's money. Yes. It's it's easy to spend someone else's money, but I I think I think it's a dangerous slippery slope when you yeah. do stuff like well, that. Well, player I'm, I'm player I'm very intrigued by is is Brett Pesci, right? Mm-hmm. Not yeah. someone we necessarily talk about that much because he kind of just slides so seamlessly into Carolina's infrastructure and sort of just is a piece of that puzzle, but. Obviously, a very highly regarded player in league circles switches agents within Wasserman, and now you know he's got one year left at four point oh two or oh two five million on a deal that he signed. Like it was a six year deal that he signed when he had like one hundred fifty NHL games to his name, and has obviously been massively underpaid for the past couple of years. Will be twenty nine in November, and so I'm very curious to see sort of what that means, not only in terms of whether Carolina's able and willing to pay him what he wants. And then mm-hmm. what that means for him moving forward, because that probably is a player who will once again prioritize a longer term deal, given that he'll already be 30 by the time it expires compared to uh, some of these other players we're talking about. But, you know, he would be someone who 
would also theoretically benefit quite a bit in, in the summer of 2025. But I, I, I doubt he'll get there just based on the way he's kind of positioning himself most recently. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, all right, Sean, let's uh, let's sign out of here. I will let yeah. you plug some stuff, promote some stuff. We obviously talked about your article on Substack here about the Golden Knights. Uh, let the listeners know sort of what you're up to now, what they can expect from you uh, moving here, moving forward here as we kind of ramp up into the off season and then heading into the uh, the summer break. Yeah, well, we're working on the uh, the Substack, which is uh, Shapshots. It's uh, it's actually ShapshotsHockey.com. We have a URL now. I can. Uh, I feel like I can keep saying that for a little bit now. Um, it started as a, you and I had a whole chat, I think back in October or whatever, about how figuring out hockey content, right? Like, and that's this entire past year has been a interesting experiment for me and figuring out what works, what doesn't, playing around with things. And um, I actually kind of have more of a quote unquote content plan that I'm feel free to rip up whenever I want. So nice. that's so we'll uh, doing something this week on just kind of. Look at, looking at some things going into the draft, um, I'll be interested to see. I don't know if I'll write anything off of it, but I'll, I'll attend Steve Eiserman's virtual media availability tomorrow. Attend is a very loose term. I'm sure, I'm sure I'll see if there's anything interesting that comes out of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I'll give a, give a plug to our guys over at EP Ringside because heading into the draft next week, um, the work that JD and company did on that draft guide, it's let's let's give them some love because that's impressive and. That's a that's a PDF you're gonna to want to download now, and then whenever your team, whenever your team picks, you're gonna to want to quickly control F to find everything you need to know about that guy. Um, that so you're buying the draft guide now. You may want to read it beforehand. That's fine, but really you're gonna want it on draft night so you can look much smarter to your friends by just having it right there on your phone or your computer. Oh, I've got it hooked up on IV right into yeah. my veins and I'm trying to consume as much of it as quickly as I can as I prepare for the draft try to cram in one full year of scouting or even more in some cases into like a week's worth of prep as I uh as I get ready for <laughs> mock draft season as we do the uh the annual yeah. PDOcast mock draft next week so looking forward to that um Sean it was great as always we'll chat with you soon thank you to the listeners for listening to us on the PDO cast. Uh, if you want to help us out, go smash that five-star button wherever you listen to the show. And we'll be back tomorrow with another episode of the Hockey PDO cast, as always, streaming on the Sportsnet Radio Network.